Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach, and let's build that million-dollar pipeline together. Text the word MONEY to 844-949-1984. That's the word MONEY to 844-949-1984 to begin your million-dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Hey, Steve, welcome back to another week of Blue Collar BS. Yeah, thanks, Brad. I am co-host Brad Herda, and obviously my other co-host is Mr. Stephen Doyle. Welcome, everybody. Located in the beautiful Detroit metro area. Uh, as we come to you from this winter spring day that's going on with melting of snow all over the place. Today's topic is something that I think could be very interesting and dynamic for both of us. And one that we don't want to get political. We don't want to get into social aspects of things, but we're going to talk about diversity and diversity in the manufacturing construction trades from a generational perspective, not necessarily from a race, color, gender, grown up, where those type of things, but diversity from a generational perspective and why it is so important that you build a team across multiple generations to build your business and to have something that can last a long time. So Steve, why is it important to have multiple generations in a functioning business? So for a magnitude of reasons, let's challenge the status quo uh, for number one, right? We have the, but that's I the way always, we've always done it, Steve. We have always done it that way. This is the way we've always done it. So we've got our boomers uh, that have done, they have been trained. Some, they have been an apprentice to someone in their job. And over time, they have become the expert, gotten to lead in their, their aspect of the business, taken over the business in some way or fashion, whether it's been from family owned or from ground up. And well, this is the way I learned it. This is the way that it should be done because this is the way that works. And when we bring somebody new in, regardless of the age, the challenge of status quo starts to take place. So number one is why do we bring new people in? And, you know, the the newer generations, the Gen Zs, because they challenge the status quo. No, come on. My kids never did that while they were growing up. Oh, really? They didn't challenge you at all? <laughs> no, never. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Man, mine at 12. Woo. Pushing, pushing some limits. But if we if we really step back and think about it, it's how do we grow? We grow when we're uncomfortable doing the things we don't want to do because we don't know how to do them. And who does that? People that challenge us. But it's hard to say, yes, let's do something different because this is the way I've always done it. I'm the expert. I'm the one in charge. I'm the one running the business. So you're just going to shut up and do what I say. And the problem is <laughs> I'm somewhat confused by your statement there, Mr. Doyle. I mean, the, pro- the, the problem with this is, is well, one, those coming in to the business that want to 
challenge and do something. Why are they challenging and doing something? Because they feel that there is a better way. And if we, the boomers, can can step back and say, oh, well, if there's a better way, why don't we just let them own this better way to do this? Whatever that that different change is. You're missing the bigger picture. Oh, uh, yeah, it's aren't a, I? It's a better way, but it's not my way. Exactly. It's that abundance versus scarcity mindset there as well, right? And changing yep. of behaviors and and different things. Well, I want before we're going to make this change, you need to show me the result. I never get the chance to show you the result because you never let me have the chance to do the thing that we want to do the improvement on because you don't want to take the risk of scrapping this part or delaying the schedule or pissing off a supplier or, or whatever it might be that we're trying to change, bringing in new materials into the construction site. Well, let's try this versus that. Mm-hmm. Well, this is tried and true. Okay. Well, why won't this work? Well, because it's not the same. Okay. Yep. And this is a kind of a cool story. I have a client. He's in his young thir- mid thirties, young thirties, remodeling contractor. You know, you'd think, yeah, no big deal. Just another millennial trying to get on a truck and do his own thing. Not the case with him. And he had a gentleman he wanted a garage addition to his other garage. And the right way to do it is to trench, put your footings down, put the block in there uh-huh. so you can do all that's right. Four feet yep. down, frost lines, all that fun stuff. Right. Well, he said, well, why don't we do helical pilings and a grade beam and we'll just build it on there. You know, it's a single stall garage being added a two car, but the guy with the, the client was heavily engineered focused and said, well, the right way to do this is attach it to the house this way. So we don't have any settling issues and things like that. I'm like, mm. You're right. Technically, that is the right way to do it, but it's not the most cost-effective way. And it's not necessarily the best way to solve this particular problem mm-hmm. to put you in your budget. And he had to find a decent solution. He ended up winning the job because he was able to communicate appropriately and find a way to solve the client's problem differently than what he was expecting. Right. It was different. And the gentleman that was getting the house done. He was in his late fifties, early sixties. And mm-hmm. he got that big gap between there, a 30 year gap. And it's like, Oh, you young whippersnappers, you don't know what you, <laughs> but we stayed persistent and continued. And he ultimately wanted to do the work with him because my client was very persistent in saying, look, we can, we can do this better. Right. Mm-hmm. There are, there are other ways to do this. And oftentimes, so let's just, let's just dwell on that for just a, a second. There is When we're often told no, we walk away and say, okay, well, fine. You said no, I'm going to go off and do do something else then. But one of the things that we can take away from that is if we're told no, be persistent. And why why should we change? Because there is another way. And all too often when boomers are telling millennials and Gen Zs and even um, the Gen Xs, no, those generations need to stand up and go, no, this is why and challenge and keep challenging that that mentality and that and there's the door exactly you have that that opportunity as well i mean that that potential is always going to exist and so you're going to have to examine every situation but if we were to just stop challenging and stop questioning there would be no learning and we would be still stuck with uh horse-drawn carriages because we didn't challenge the status quo we'd have seven tools we still have the seven tools we wouldn't have a wheel we wouldn't have uh-huh. All the things All that we have. Things. I mean, you look at some of the architecture and stuff that's out there and what happens. Right. Some of it's weather related. Some of it's based on where we live in our part of the world here in the upper Midwest. 
Um, but you look at some of those cool buildings that are down in Taiwan and Singapore and some of those really, really cool pieces of architecture, which are really artwork and masterful pieces. Take that here to the U.S. Oh, my gosh. That can't be done. Can't do that here. Yep. Why not? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Brad, what other reasons? Why should we be talking about diversity? From a generational perspective? Yeah. It helps you build a sustainable business model as well. At some point, you have to make sure that whoever's doing the job today, there's one or two people behind it that can do that, do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And too often, we get stuck in, well, today and tomorrow are the same, or tomorrow, tomorrow never comes, actually, right? There is no tomorrow. And next thing you know, 15 years later, you're sitting there going, huh, yeah, should have probably planned better for this. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Should have, because now all your employees are 45 and up to maybe three people that are under 30, if you're lucky. And uh, the market's been great. 401ks are fantastic. And people's bodies are beat to shit. Yep. And you have nobody go do the hard labor. Or they do it, but they do it slower. They do it with greater risk, with more injury, mm-hmm. less customer satisfaction. And now you have a, now you have a business that's potentially can't get out of its own way because we're not open right. to the idea of bringing in new ideas, new thoughts, new processes. But why would we want to bring in new ideas? Because it just challenges the status quo. Hey, I saw what you did there. I saw what you, you turned <laughs> it around on me, Steve. I did. <laughs> it did. You, you know better than that. I, I, I was a massive challenger in my corporate career and uh, it served me pretty well. Mm-hmm. There are times where you have to learn where and when to do those things. And that's the maturity process of, of the generations. And some of that piece of it, because of schooling and social media, some of that common sense piece doesn't come out and the filters aren't there. Right. And, and there's some filters, whether that's generational or whether it's individual preference, I've seen at least boomers have no problem getting angry and blowing up and making it happen. Uh, X kind of just sit back, take it, but we'll blow up outside the meeting. Millennials will just walk out and laugh at you. And the Z's are kind of like, I don't want to even go into the room at times because there's too much conflict. Right. Hmm. Now, obviously it's a great generalization and a broad generalization. <laughs> and we're all individually, we're all unique, right? Right. So we're not saying this is scientifically proven and we're there saying, <laughs> Hey, no, this is how everybody is. That's not what we're saying. Right. One of the other things that's sitting in front of us when we're talking generational diversity and one of the gaps that that exists out there is also just general leadership development. So how do you think when we're talking generational diversity, it would look if a millennial came in to do leadership development for boomers, Gen X's, millennials, and Gen Z's? Uh, That could be a very interesting room to be in. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've, I've been in that room in the past uh-huh. and it is that leader is really hard to the person doing the training. If there's no wisdom to come along with it, to be able to talk about bad economies, good economies, hiring, firing, growth, recession, etc., It's really hard to have that conversation on how to lead in those spaces. Uh-huh. But if you got somebody that's talking, Hey, back in the Johnson administration, we had to do this and this. Well, that's really not relevant today either because technology and people and information has changed dramatically. So finding the appropriate person to lead those conversations is really, really difficult. And what I've seen work best is when they're 
teams of individuals that can cover multiple generations. It's not two boomers. It's not two Xers. It's mm-hmm. maybe a younger millennial and an older Xer that are trying to do that. And you work the room differently and you banter and you do things similar to this. Yep. I, at one point in my career, I did challenge one of my younger employees to take on a quote unquote leadership role, gave a specific assignment. And the assignment was, Hey, I want you to gather and and the specifics. I'm not going to get into the specifics of what this assignment was, but the general direction was, I want you to gather everybody and get them motivated and persuaded to move forward on this project. And these are the outcomes that have to be done in this time frame. It was upon them because one, I wanted to see, there's, there's two prongs here. One, I wanted to see how this younger person was received as a up and coming leader in the organization. And yes, you have to pull together people of different generations together to then move forward and persuade them to complete this project. Now, everybody was aware that this was going to happen as you know, those dubbed as part of the project team. But one of the interesting things was, is that this younger person was not taken seriously mm-hmm. by the more seasoned professionals and seasoned both in, you know, when we're talking generations here, yes, we are talking age. Um, so those that were more seasoned did not take this younger person seriously because they had more experience and background in certain aspects of this project. Right. But this person was hand selected to lead this project. One was because of the challenge. This person had self-nominated and said, look, I want to, I want to move into a leadership role. Okay. Well, one of our, the things that we've talked about previously is leadership isn't a title. Correct. And that was also something for this younger person to learn that leadership was not a title. Right. It was personal power, point. personal power versus title, title power. power. Yep. And, and, and those are very, very different things. And that was a very hard lesson for this person to learn because they had assumed that because they had the title power, everybody would do what they said. Unfortunately, that didn't happen because those people hadn't earned this person's trust. Correct. Or this person hadn't earned their trust. Yep. So that's number one, right? Is they, they were, the trust wasn't there. And what I found interesting was just how, from a generational perspective, this person just said, assumed that title power would get them where they wanted to go. So I think that's also something very key is on the leadership development side, when we're talking for the younger generations, the title power only gets you one thing. It gets you a title. It does. But I also think that different generations have a different respect for or, or, or a desire to want to receive those titles. Correct. I don't think throughout the things I've been able to participate in myself, I never really cared what the title was. It didn't really matter to me. It was just go out and do the job and gain the respect of others so that you can mm-hmm. influence people to get done what needs to happen. It didn't matter. I think there is the the millennial crowd, when it came out with social media and we started getting more and more things, look at me, look at who I am. Titles became important. Yes. Look at, go through LinkedIn and find out how many founders, VPs, pick whatever C-suite title you have, mm-hmm. or I'm working out of my garage, I'm working out of my bedroom, I'm working out of whatever, because I want to feel, feel yep. that I have 
a place in the hierarchy of of the business world. Right. Mm -hmm. I deserve a seat at the table because I have the title. Yeah, which is absolute bullshit. Sorry. Nope. Title power, shove it. (laughs) Similar to the project you had your gentleman do, uh, I had the great pleasure of taking our sister company in Navasota, Texas and getting them ISO certified from the plant here in Milwaukee. And it was, hey, here's the carrot and stick. You go get them certified, then you can go get your EMBA. We'll take care of that. Went down there and uh, the gentleman who ran that facility would have been, at the time, he would have been, he's still a boomer category, but it was probably a 15 year age gap between us. Mm-hmm. I was going down there to mess with his factory from his perspective. <gasps> no. Even though I had the authority. You were to a pigeon? To do that. And I had to go figure it out. But I had his team on board, which was yeah. really cool. I developed a relationship with the people that were doing the work and in charge. And that blowout meeting I had in his office where it was, you're coming down here and you're trying to do all this and do that. I'm like, no, no. I am coming down here to follow the directions of the leader of our organization that wants this facility ISO certified. Mm-hmm. I've been tasked with that challenge. We have two options here, sir. Option number one is you continue to put up the fight and then we have the carpet drag out in front of the leader of the organization. Mm-hmm. Option number two is we talk like human beings and we facilitate this and we get it done and we get your certification and we move on with life. Mm-hmm. I'm out and I don't. we don't ever have to see each other again if we don't need to or want to. Once I had that very difficult conversation and tried to get the emotion out of it, he chose option two and we got it certified, moved on, and we became, you know, cordial and not that we were drinking buddies or anything like that. He wasn't coming, <laughs> right? He wasn't coming with me to the bar after we got done with a day of work to go and, <laughs> and have a, you know, blooming onion and a margarita. But what it did is it showed his staff that, hey, no, this is what's going to happen. Because the staff was the staff was afraid because he wasn't going to buy in. Right. And ultimately we got the buy-in and we had to go through that. So I completely understand. I didn't have any title power whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I had the authority. Um, I had the responsibility, but I had to earn the respect to make the changes. Yep. So would you say this whole conversation, when we're talking generational diversity, comes down to respect? That would be a great summary. Yeah, when we talk respect, it's not just R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Oh, <laughs> I got nothing for that. <laughs> right for but those we... for those for those on this uh, listening, this is a tip. This is a late Friday afternoon, and we're kind of a little punchy after nothing. this week. I got nothing. I got nothing. Um, but you know, just to wrap it up, it's it's what it comes down to is just having the sheer respect for each generation when we're talking generational diversity and being open to listening to new possibilities. Yes. And understanding that respect isn't given until respect is earned, but that doesn't mean when you hire the Gen Z kid to come into your factory, you don't crap all over them and tell them to go do all the crap work and give them the chance to earn your respect to begin with. Don't and challenge them because they will succeed if you provide them the right opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. I concur. It is about respect going both directions and starting out with that respect is really, really important in understanding it. So this was a very interesting conversation that went down a quite a few different paths this week. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate, I appreciate your time as always, Mr. Doyle. All right. Well, thank you, Brad. Appreciate the conversation and the topic. So thank you very much. And we will uh, talk again here soon. All right. Sounds great.
Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching, Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.